It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. It's Locked On Chiefs, and I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and the host of RGR Football. I know y'all are still hurting from this last game, and we're going to talk about it a ton. But before Seth gets us rolling on today's show, just want to say that we got a little bit of update on Kendall Fuller, uh, who did have surgery already over the weekend. Looks like he is not going to lose much time. Uh, Andy Reid is optimistic that he may even have a chance at playing against the Seahawks. Certainly, they're not going to lose him for more than a week or two. Uh, he should be ready for the playoffs no matter what from the report that we got today. So just a little bit of news. Wanted to hit that before we start the show. Uh, so let's do that now. I am Seth Kaiser with The Athletic, and I am joined by the esteemed Ryan Tracy and the thrice as esteemed Chris Clark to talk to you about Chiefs. <laughs> and guys, how are we doing today? I'm just steamed. Not <laughs> what about you, Chris? Are you steamed or are you esteemed? Oh, one of those two. You guys can pick. I that's, <laughs> Honestly... You watched that game, and it's just rough. I really don't have a better way to put it other than it was just rough. It didn't get any more fun the second, third, and fourth times I watched it because it just how winnable it was. Here's the interesting thing. These games, these close games, the Chiefs have lost, you know, three games to Super Bowl contenders by a combined seven points. And when you say it like that, it sounds good because it's like, wow, you know, they've made it tough. But, man, those games are tough to because every single one of them, it's just like one play goes differently. And that's hard. That'll keep you up at night. You know, I said, I said this on Monday's episode, but if they get two first downs at any point on any of their three and out drives, that game completely changes. You know, I had the rare opportunity because I keep myself altogether too busy because I'm bad at saying no. And I'm a bit of a narcissist. I rarely listen to episodes that I'm not in, which I, I hate admitting that I download them because, you know, Support locked on Chiefs, everyone. But I, <laughs> but I, I actually got a chance to listen to your guys' in-game reaction, and I have to say, I disagree with you guys about no. something. I know. Awesome. I I heard a bunch of offense blaming going on, and and I got to tell you, yes, if the offense the offense goes three and out in a crucial position, however. The defense should not put the offense in the position of having to succeed almost every time it's on the field. And one thing that every single loss the Chiefs have this season have in common, the fact that it's it been a late fourth quarter comeback by the other team. The defense has not gotten it done. And now, to be fair, the defense is what it is. But right. the offense, the, the previous drive, they had eaten a bunch of clock, drove down the field, scored a touchdown, put them up 14 with, with what, like seven minutes to go? Six minutes to go, maybe seven. But, but that offensive drive was held by seven penalties. I, I get what you're saying, Seth, and I understand why you're going there on the defense, and I agree with you. The defense has been bad all year. My simple point is is that if the offense plays to any kind of potential that they've played at most of the games, they win that game going away. Sure. You, you can't expect the defense to do something different than they've done all season. See, but that's where I'm not sure I agree. Because even though it, that's that's a logical thing, 
That to me still doesn't change blame. Sucking consistently doesn't make your sucking any less impactful. And so for <laughs> and so for me, even though I totally agree with you that they can't really expect the defense to do anything different, to me it does just mean that's just another game that I chalk up for the defense. Now the offense does bear some blame for sure. They had some problems against the Chargers. Chargers have a really good pass rush. The offensive line, the first thing I wrote about last week, the offensive line got eaten up. It was bad for the second week in a row. Yeah. And so, and so I hear you, but I, I want to talk about, I, I want to talk about someone that I think you guys might want to talk about too. I got to talk about Bob Sutton. Rex Ryan. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's the strangest form of Tourette's in existence. <laughs> and so I, I, you guys aren't going to believe this, but I wrote about Bob Sutton and it was not a glowing, uh, praise article so let uh, can i run a few things by you guys and and tell me if you think this is true or false when it comes to bob sutton please please true or false under bob sutton the chiefs have never had a defensive efficiency ranking which for people who don't know football outsiders charts like every snap and finds defensive efficiency it's really one of the best team stats out there they have never had a defensive efficiency Oh, that that was that was over fifth. True or false? Mm, I'm gonna have to go with true. True. That is true. They they had their high of fifth in the NFL. Actually, six. My apologies. Back in 2015. What if I told you that the Chiefs have finished outside the top ten twice as often as they finished inside the top ten? in defense of efficiency under Bob Sutton. Would you believe that? I don't have any questions on that. That doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> you, just for the record, all of these are going to be true. Well, way to ruin it for What everybody. if I told you that... <laughs> what if I told you that over the course of the last three years, the Chiefs were one of the worst teams in the league in yards per drive allowed? Would you believe to. that? <laughs> so, I mean, here's the thing. I went back and I, I took a look at, because I didn't want to just, I don't, I don't like the idea after every bad defensive performance, it's always, oh, sack the defensive coordinator. That's easy to do, right? That's a, that's a fan reaction. But when you look at the entirety of the work Bob Sutton has done over the course of his time in Kansas City, if you look at his total DVOAs, defensive efficiency every year, his first year was ninth, second year, 19th, Third year, sixth, and you're like, oh, great. And then since then, it's been 14th, 30th, and 26th. I can't believe they're 26th. That, yeah, I know it's hard to believe, um, but that's only because their pass defense has been okay. It's been about average. Um, yards per drive, they're 30th. Points per drive, they're 28th this year. And here's the one interesting thing. The redeeming factor of Bob Sutton's defenses until this year and last year was that they didn't give up a lot of points per drive. They were 5th, 7th, 7th, yeah. and 8th. I mean, that's pretty good. Um, but the, last year, they they just went into a, a tailspin down to 21st, and this year they're at 28th in that, in that metric. And so when you really look at it, and so that's the first place I talked about, by the numbers, and you can use numbers to look at a team performance, right? You can't gauge individual players with it, but team productivity, that's what stats exist for. Right, especially over the right. course of a year. If you look at the team production, the Chiefs' defense has been 
one of the worst in the league the last two years, was mediocre the year before that. And so that's three years running. Bob Sutton has failed to produce a good defense. And at this point, even a diehard Bob Sutton defender like myself just can't continue to blame it on the personnel. Which is still a factor. There still are guys making big, big mistakes. I'm surprised you're, you're a big Bob Sutton defender, but. (laughs) I, I've, I've blamed personnel for execution failures in the past, but here's the thing. At a certain point, when the guys that are supposed to only be on the field because they're veterans, because they know the system and those guys are getting barked at, by a guy playing his first game in two years because they're lining up incorrectly. That tells me something about the defensive coordinator and the defensive coaching. I'm glad to hear you say that. I think I said those same words yesterday. (laughs) And see, there you go. I mean, it's, it's, it's an echoing thing. And so here's the thing. This isn't about losing a, another close game. Although, I mean, it's worth noting. Let's say even if Sutton had had a decent season last year and the chiefs defense had been okay last year, this year, they've lost, again, three games in which their offense, even I mean, their offense's worst game of those three was against the Chargers, but they were still up 14 with half a quarter to go. All the defense had to do was force one punt or even one field goal, and that game is one, right? Or even just slow them down on that final drive. Yep. And they couldn't do it. And so even if Sutton's defenses had been good prior to now, these are the types of performances, like the ones against the Rams, the one against the Patriots, that really should put a coordinator in the hot seat. Because the the idea is even having a competent defense, and the Chiefs are arguably undefeated. Well, I agree with what you're you're saying. I do think that the defense has been playing very bad. I think Bob Sutton has been doing a terrible job as defensive coordinator. Um. I don't know how they're going to, they're obviously not going to fix it this season. It's going to be something that hopefully they can fix in the off season. Uh, but we do need to take a quick break. And when we come right. back, we will continue this conversation because I'm sure there's a lot more to talk about. <laughs> Are you looking to reach new customers? I could be mentioning your business right now. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with their sponsors than on web pages or other forms of media. Our demographic is 98% males and offers more opportunities than traditional media audiences. Have your company sponsor this podcast today. Email us at lockedonchiefs at gmail.com. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found... Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had the super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. There is a lot more to talk about. I'm glad you said that, Chris. <laughs> and so you, you said we can't fix it this year. Are you certain? Unless you get rid of Bob Sutton now, which isn't going to happen. Rex is man in a desk. I'm just saying True. he's available. 
<laughs> I I mean, I don't know how different things are for them. It would be very interesting to, you know, that type of mid-season sacking. I don't know what that would do to a defense, but I I mean, it would have to be someone who runs a relatively similar system to be sure. Here's here's something. So when you guys looked at the the game down the stretch, what did you think of those last two drives? Those last two defensive drives. The same repetitive problem. <laughs> and and see, here's here's my thing, Seth, and I, I, I completely get where you're going. But if Kansas City gets a first down or two, it changes time of possession, which is a huge deal. This defense isn't good enough to get stops when they're on the field for more than 30, 30 minutes of the game. That's the and that is a problem. Right. And so, like I said, the, the problem is you need a defense that is completely carried 99% of the time. And that's no way to, that's no way to go through life. That's no way to win no, Super Bowls. I, no. And I completely agree with that. I'm just, my, my simple point was, is changing the coordinator is the only way to change that, in my opinion. Right. Because he's not aggressive enough. He is not going to make changes. He's done this consistently through 15 weeks, it's not going to change. It's it's almost the same for Andy Reid on some of his tendencies that really drive us nuts. Well, and the, the difference between the two is Andy Reid has redeeming qualities, right? True. Andy Reid, Andy Reid's fantastic with quarterbacks, arguably the best play designer and innovator in the NFL. Um, he he has he does a lot of things really, 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 really well. Way more things. He players like playing for him. All this stuff, right? Whereas with Sutton. What specifically are Sutton's redeeming qualities as a defensive head coach that bounce out the bad? Because it's easy. To- and I'm not trying to say he has them. He has them. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm not with you on that one. I don't believe that at all. Brian, did you know Chris is a big Bob Sutton fan? I guess I can't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so, Ryan, you, you mentioned <laughs> yeah, this. I'm, I'm as big of a Bob Sutton fan as is Ryan um, a fan of not ever playing Anthony Sherman for another down. So, <laughs> Rumble, Rumble. so Ryan, you said same old, same old um, with that drive, that those last two drives. What, what, do you, what did you see there? My biggest problem, and and this this is my thing with Bob, has been since Bob came here. Uh, and sorry, folks, if you're going to hear me say it again, 90% of, including Fuller, although he did play a lot of zone at Washington, but in college, he was a press corner. All these other guys are press corners and they never press. Mm-hmm. It's a misuse of his personnel. He has refused to identify the strengths of his players and play to their strengths. And it drives right. me insane. You see them all. And like you said, you know, whether they're playing man or, or they're going to drop into a zone. Uh, I believe most of those plays were, were man under a zone concept behind. But when you don't disrupt routes and you don't put your hands on receivers, when you have a quarterback that is picking you apart the yep. last quarter, that's right. the problem. Well, and, and that's one of the things you're right on the money there. Go ahead, Chris. I was just going to say that's one of the things that I think Andy Reid does fantastic is he uses players to their strengths. And that is my biggest problem with Sutton is that not only is it press man, I don't think he's using Hitchens or Ragland to, to their strengths. Maybe he's using the defensive linemen to their strengths, but when you don't see it from your linebackers and your secondary, it's really hard to be excited about the defense and what they're doing. Well, and you you make an interesting point, you know, you, using guys correctly. With regards to that last drive, three of the biggest plays on there, I mean, they did mix things up a little bit. They played some zone, they played some man, they did a few different concepts. But on three of the biggest plays, they called, uh, you know, two two high safeties, 
and then man coverage across the board and three different times, including on that fourth and seven, it got picked apart. Like, you know, you know, Kendall Fuller, you know, and I'm glad Troy Aikman commented on this. Fuller was in good coverage on Benjamin. It's just Rivers knew the exact coverage and he knew he could just put the ball in a certain spot. And coverage doesn't really matter at that point. We've seen Mahomes do that to people time after time. Mm -hmm. And that's an unfortunate position for your corner to be in. And in the meantime, on fourth and seven, you've got the safeties 20 yards off the line of scrimmage. I understand you don't want to get beat over the top, but the reality is on that fourth and seven, you're better off with them risking a deep shot. And then you are allowing that kind of slant. And so that's, that's one other thing I wrote about is this idea that, you know, down the stretch in one of the most important games of the year, you're playing literally the most simplistic coverage known to mankind. Madden players knew what they were running. And that doesn't mean Bob never switches it up. They actually don't run just straight man with a cover two shell that often. No. And so, and so you could call it a tendency breaker. You can call it whatever you want. But what it was is easily dissectable coverage that got dissected. And that's but, another issue. And, and to that point, furthermore, when I look at the plays, especially in the first half that we're working, it's about aggression. When Bob lays back and plays a passive game like a cover two man under concept, that is a passive coverage back there. Mm-hmm. That's when he gets in trouble. Right. And in theory, you want to be able to rely on your pass rush when you've got as good a pass rushers as the Chiefs have. However, when Rivers is in a zone like that and in a rhythm and able to identify the coverage pre-snap that easily, pass rush isn't going to matter unless it gets there within a second and a half. And that's incredibly rare. And so you saw that, you know, down the stretch in those games, the pass rush was still winning, but Rivers was getting the ball out faster. And that's a tough thing. And so it's just tough to watch. You know, his his results over the last few years, they've been awful. His results before that were mixed, some good, some bad. But I would argue that the personnel that he had, it was almost difficult not to succeed. Um, One oh. final thought. I know we've got to hop into a break. But something to think about that I also wrote about. Um, When you look at the players that have come in this season, because the Chiefs have brought in some players that have had success elsewhere, uh, Anthony Hitchens has been much worse in Kansas City than in Dallas. Xavier Williams, not that he was a world beater in, with the Cardinals, but he was better than he's been here. Uh, Kendall Fuller, he's had a good season, but he isn't as good as he was in Washington. That's a weird thing. When multiple mm-hmm. players that you've brought in from other teams who are competent or well beyond competent in other systems, suddenly in Hitchens and Williams' cases, they've been liabilities. And in Fuller's case, he's been good, but he hasn't been great. And last year, he was great. And that alone is enough to make you stop and think, you know, what, what, what's going on here? What is Sutton doing that any other guy couldn't do? Uh, we do need to take one more break. And I, I don't know if we're done ranting about Sutton, but someone else needs to take over doing it right after this. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I like the way you put it. I'm not going to rant. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah I'm but. just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm not going to rant, but I am going to rant. 
Yeah, pretty much. I'm going to point out a few extra things that we need to talk about. I'm not going to rant. I'm going to be calm. Yeah, I'm going to be mostly. Super, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be calm, except when I throw this brick through someone's windshield. Well, and the reality is it's important to differentiate between fan ranting, being upset that the Chiefs lost a game, and then really going back and taking a cold, hard look at what the results have been. And yeah. and there there's enough anecdotal evidence. There's enough evidence of players playing worse in his system. Um, I, I can't think of players that have come into his system that were meh, elsewhere and have been superstars in his system. Well, not I, one. And I'll give you a couple more points to about the players in particular, but but one other one that I think is is underrated and pretty important. Um, you can complain all you want about Orlando Skandrick being over the hill. Uh, he is towards the ends of his career. He is handsy. Yep. He has to be now in order to play his game. But he does. the big thing is you can, if they said he was, is not as good physically before he came here. They said he had a bad attitude sometimes. None of that explains why he can't understand what his assignment is on the field and Eric yes. Berry has to crawl down his throat. Yeah, that, absolutely. That is a problem. I think systemically in communicating the defense and making it understandable. Right. And every single year, We've had players who have had real issues understanding what their assignment is. In the secondary, this has been, I mean, it's been systemic. It's been every player except, and people aren't going to want to hear this. You know one player who I almost never saw blow his own coverage? Mm. Marcus, Peter, Marcus Peters. Sure, in zone, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, I'm not saying he was perfect. I'm not saying he didn't need to go with some of the issues they had. I, everyone knows where I stand on the Peters stuff. But I think Marcus Peters, one thing that most people don't debate about him, he's an incredibly smart football player. Mm-hmm. He understands the game, much like Eric Berry. And like Kendall Fuller, you notice he's not blowing coverages nearly as often as the other guys. I'm starting to wonder with what Sutton asks players to do, much like with the inside linebackers, if it's not just too much and if you're not some kind of, you know, film savant, you just you just can't get it. It's just too much. That's kind of where I'm at. And I like that you brought up the inside linebackers because you look at the demise, like you said, DVOA earlier, right? These last two seasons yep. are where they fell off the cliff. All of Derek Johnson's talent was was used when he wasn't hurt. That had a factor as well. But the other factor that I think we all forget about. When did Gary Gibbs let get, get let go? When did the inside linebacker play fall off a cliff? Mm-hmm. They are tied together and they are related to why Gary couldn't work with Bob. That makes sense. And that's, I mean, well, and you see, you see it happen with players like Hitchens who suddenly comes in and is super hesitant. Mm-hmm. Let me ask this question. I know where you're talking about inside linebackers. I have to ask this about the corners with the corners, not really seeming to know where they're, they need to be. Is it also possible that we're also looking at an issue with the defensive backs coach? I mean, I love Emmett Thomas. I, I love, yep. uh, uh, God, I can't think of the guy's name. Al Harris. Yep. Uh, I think if Bob got fired tomorrow, Al Harris is the only guy that can run this defense. I don't think it's a problem with Al Harris. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm fine with that. I just, I have to ask the question because you sit there and you talk about a player that has been in this league. I don't know what, 10 years for Skandrick at least and mm-hmm. can't line up. Right and can't can't pass off a coverage a simple inside outside coverage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. And here's the thing: I'm not so sure they don't get that two point conversion, regardless of whether or not Skandrick blows the coverage. Because yeah, asking point. asking Skandrick to go one on one 
with Mike Williams, who's got him by what six inches, right? Yeah, that's a tough ask. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and honestly, Kendall's the the tallest, right? At six foot, even. Um, Steven Nelson is five eleven. I mean, they're all giving up four to five inches on all those receivers, right. except for Little Benjamin, right? And I, I think, I think we're we're seeing. There are personnel issues. This defense isn't perfect, but really when you look at the personnel, Chris Jones is a bona fide superstar at this point. Justin Houston is an exceptional linebacker. D Ford is a very, very good pass rusher. They've got a great pass rushing trio there. Um, when you look at Hitchens does have talent, regardless of what's going on with him this season. Derek Naughty is a really good run stuffer. Um, mm-hmm. and I think Nadi's going to have a long career. I, he is the difference with him on the field versus him not on the field is palpable. Um, right now he's their best draft choice. Uh, he's playing incredibly in my yep. opinion. And you know, you you look at the guys at corner again. No, no, no world beaters there, but all competent guys. And Fuller last year in Washington in that system was a world beater. He was exceptional mm-hmm. there. And so, and then, you know, at safety, well, okay, yeah, you got some issues at safety, which. Well, but Steven Nelson has played well. Yep. I, he, I mean, he had, probably didn't have his best game on Thursday night, but he still played pretty well Thursday night. And asking him to go one on one versus Mike Williams, that was a fantastic throw and catch by Williams, or that was a fantastic catch by Williams and a great throw by Phillip Rivers. You can't do much more as a corner. Absolutely. You're, you're bound by your own limitations at times. The overall point is th- there are some personnel issues, but really when you look at what they did this year with a, they all, they did a defensive overhaul. Um, yep. I, I'd be interested in seeing what some other teams would do with a talent like Dorian O'Daniel. Um, I, and you look, they, they've got over 4,000 snaps of new guys this year between Fuller and Skandrick and O'Daniel and Xavier Williams and, and a few other players that they brought in. And the results are worse. And this is after yeah. an offseason kind of blaming the personnel. And so at mm-hmm. a certain point, it has to come back to Bob Sutton. My hope personally is that Sutton retires after this season. Um, and because otherwise, I mean, Reed is just Andy Reed is a loyal, loyal dude. Yeah. I've, I, I don't think you're going to see the firing. I personally, from, from what I've been told by people I trust, um, is that it was Andy Reid that kept Sutton in the building. And I don't think that's any secret. Um, and so I, we'll, we'll have to see. But at this point, there's just too much evidence against him and continuing to blame the personnel. I think is kind of a, it's, it's kind of a sucker's bet because we were here last year too. Now we've got a lot of different personnel and we're here again and it's even worse. And if you need an Eric Berry to make your defense work, no. you're not a very good defensive coordinator because most exactly. defensive coordinators don't have Eric Berry. That said, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think he'll get fired. I think if he retires, then the Chiefs have a chance. But overall, like you asked before, the one thing that I want to see this change is the aggression level utilizing because I will give Bob credit when he dials up something to get pressure, some of the exotic blitzes, how he uses some of the the safeties in particular, when they Mm -hmm. blitz that stuff works, he's got plays that work, but he's not aggressive Mm -hmm. enough. And if the, if you saw this where we were seeing those type blitzes called maybe what at a, at a 15% rate every game, this is a drastically different. NFL matchup. I think had him at like 16%. That was a couple of weeks ago. 
the biggest problem that I had with that stat was a couple of snaps or a couple of uh, tweets later, they came out and said something like uh, on blitzes, Kansas City's one of the top five defenses when they blitz uh, in QBR. So mm-hmm. they're just, they're not blitzing enough, but when they do blitz, they're doing fantastic with it. Uh, and to me, that's a real problem. If you're doing that well with it, you use it a little bit more. It doesn't have to be something that you're using 40% of the time, but if you're using it, you know, 30% of the time, it's going to, it's going to pay dividends. And well, let me, let me ask you guys this before we get closing up. There's going to be a couple of guys available that have been defensive coordinators for Andy in the past. And if Bob does move on or retires or however that happens, if Bob Sutton is no longer the defensive coordinator in 2019, what do you think of Todd Bowles? What do you think of Ron Rivera? Uh, I don't know anything about Rivera in terms of his system. Um, I do know a little bit about Bowles, and I, from what I know, his system wouldn't require too much of a personnel changeover. Um, but he's done very well for himself as a defensive coordinator, I think, at every stop. And yep. he also, even though the Jets have struggled, the defense has still been not bad without great personnel. And I, I would love, I would love Todd, Todd Bowles based on what I know. Cause wasn't, wasn't he in Arizona before he got the job in New York? Yep. He was in Arizona when Arizona's defense right. was legit. Yeah. Yep. Right. They were phenomenal. I would really like that. And it would be such a change up from what we have right now. Yeah, he's very aggressive. Um, I think he fits the personnel well. Um, and, and again, you know, it's a guy that Reed is familiar with. And I think it's a perfect situation for a guy like him to walk into after getting fired because he's gonna. Um, I think it's a great place to, to rehabilitate your image as a, as a coach underneath mm-hmm. a guy that you know will just give you free reign with the defense, will never fire you. You've got an offense that'll back you up a hundred percent and you're on a Super Bowl contender legitimately if you if you become a defensive coordinator for a team like Kansas City and you get to be the hero that turns the defense around you might only be a defensive coordinator for a couple of years before you get another offer you're absolutely right who who do you like Ryan yeah i like them both um i think they're both more aggressive i think ron has a tendency to play more zone coverage than i particularly like um but he's very good with the linebacker level, uh, obviously they've had some talent at the pass rush, um, but he gets the most out of his players. Ron comes from an older throwback style. He played for Buddy Ryan. Um, he understands how to stop the run and how not getting run over is important, even though this is a pass-happy league. Um, I think because of what we saw from Fuller uh, and whoever is going to be the other corner next season, because I don't think he's on this roster right now, um, Fuller can play zone as well, so I think Ron could work as well. Um, but I like both of them. I, I just still think Rex uh, has an opportunity um, because he's a terrible head coach that he can do exactly what you were just saying. He's good at running a defense. He's aggressive. Uh, and I think he fits this personnel pretty well. And Bob worked for him for a while. So terminology wise, I would think that transition wouldn't be too terrible. I would agree with that. Well, I'm glad we're all in the same boat. Now, if we were just in charge. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, that's it for us today. Uh, we have hashed through as much as we're going to hash through. We're going to turn the page tomorrow and start looking forward uh, against these Seahawks. Try to get back on track just like this team is about to try to get back on track. So uh, thanks for bearing with us while we vented our demons and I had to have a rant. But uh, we appreciate your time and your dedication to listening to us. And we will talk to you tomorrow.
Subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Chiefs. Check out my work at RGR Football on YouTube. Chris's work on LockedOnChiefs.com and all of Seth's film analysis at TheAthletic.com. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.